Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. We probably don't say it enough. Okay. Well, let's just give our worship team a hand. I, just, I appreciate all the work they put in. Everything they do. But you know who else gets seen even less? Unless there's a problem. Those guys. Thank you guys. Appreciate you so much. They make this place work. (laughs) Let me tell you, if it wasn't for them, nothing would happen. You wouldn't see it. You wouldn't hear it. It would be like miming up here. Kind of interesting. (laughs) Well, it's raining today, so I think it's God's way of saying to dads, chill. Don't do anything. (laughs) So I'm going to embrace that. Um, How many golfers we have? Who likes to golf, has golfed? Yeah, okay, cool. You may or may not appreciate this. Um, But there's a young guy, and he's just always trying to get on the course as much as he could. And so he finally had some time, and he carved out, and he thought, well, boy, if I really get busy, I could probably get nine holes in before I have to get home. And so he gets his gear, and he heads out to the first tee. And just as he's about to get ready... An older gentleman comes walking up, and he's like, oh, I see you're, you're golfing alone. Would you mind if I joined you? And inside, he's like, but he just, oh, sure, why not? So he invites him along, and so they're playing right along, and he's keeping up with them, and he's, the younger guy's like, wow, you're doing pretty good, and I didn't think he was going to do that well, and they're cruising along, and, you know, he's not the, the best golfer, but he's making it his way. So they finally get to the ninth hole, and he's looking, he's going, Hmm, what do I do? So he's trying to figure out his shot, and he's got this line of trees that is, you know, between him and the pin. So he's just kind of debating. And so the older gentleman kind of leans over and says, No, well, when I was your age, I would just shoot right over the tree and, and I'll, I'll hit that pin. So now there was a, a challenge on the table. And this younger guy's like, Man, if he can do it, I should be able to do it. So it's like he, he figures out what he's going to use for a club, and he goes, all right, he commits. And he swings, and it goes, and it hits the tree, and it bounces back, and it's about a foot in front of him. And he's like, I don't believe this. To which the older gentleman kind of leaned in again and said, well, you know, when I was your age, that tree was three feet tall. <laughs> the wisdom of years that we all require and need. Oh, love it, love it, love it. All right, this morning we're going to be in Hebrews 12, uh, looking at a father's focus. And this morning, I want us to catch kind of a a duality, duplicity, dichotomy, whatever word you want to choose. You pick it. Um, But one, one father that always gets overlooked on Father's Day is our Heavenly Father. It's like, you know, we celebrate our earthly dads, and I know I'm not saying we shouldn't. But it's like, I also want to bring a focus to our Heavenly Father today, too, because he's the one who's doing so much in our lives, oftentimes through our dads, through our parents, through family, through circumstances, through things. So there's, there's going to be kind of this element of God the Father infused into the, today's message, um, but also just this element of, you know, dads, you're not off the hook. I will challenge you at the end. 
uh, to which one person I know of is going to be really excited about that. But anyway, <laughs> um, but there's going to be a challenge for all of us today, not just dads. Um, but it's like as we look at God the Father and what he's done, uh, I am continually humbled at what God does in my life. Uh, continually humbled at how faithful he is. And it's in the face of a challenged life that we lead. I mean, you know, we struggle sometimes to, you know, get up and do what's right and make good choices and all that. And the father doesn't let that phase him, which is kind of cool. Now, since we're in Hebrews 12, we're coming off of Hebrews 11, which is all the stuff of faith, faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And I think that's a, a huge precursor to what we're going to look at today because we have got to live and do these things in faith. We've got to do the Christian life in faith. Uh, because if we try to do it in the flesh, ugh, it is so hard. The Christian life is so hard to try to live in the flesh. For us to kind of you know, muster up enough energy to do it every day, day in and day out, week in and week out, it's almost impossible. In fact, it is impossible. That's why we've got to do it by faith and why we've got to enlist the Father into the situation. I'm getting ahead of myself. Quick quote. Let's see. There it is. When you read the accounts of Abraham, David, Moses, Samson, John Wesley, Dale Moody, Jim Elliott, and C.S. Lewis, you will be inspired. But when you look to Jesus, you will not merely be inspired, you will be empowered. Uh, that is why we're told to fix our gaze upon Jesus, because he alone can make us strong in our time of weakness. And you know, that, the more we see that we are weak as we're here, the more opportunity God has to come in and provide the strength that we need. So it's, it's, especially as men, uh, and what the culture we live in now, you know, if you're not that guy who can do it all and be it all, and it's all on your own, and you're self-made and all that, the culture says you're less of a man. But scripture says exactly the opposite. Because it's like when you are weak, when you can empty yourself of self and allow Christ to come in and build you up, you're everything you need to be. In fact, God can then use you. We look at all these people of the faith and all that God was able to do through them. And they did so many things by faith because it would be crazy to do some of the things that these people did. Just start walking in the water. It'll split. Okay. But that's what they did. And it's like, think about it. Think if you were faced with that. You had this horde of people behind you and God said, start walking in the water. What? All right, so you brought us out here to just drown us all. That's what's going to happen. But no, God was faithful. They were walking in faith and living in faith. And so that's kind of what's required here to make this work in a very positive and helpful way. All right, so three things we're going to catch today. And I'm going to give them to you on the front end. That way you'll know when I'm getting close to being done. But we're going to look to Jesus, consider Jesus, and endure or abide in Jesus. All right, because that's where we need to be. And that's where he calls fathers to live. We have got to be the example. Men have to be the example. We're called to be examples. And I get it. It's challenging, but it's not impossible. Because in Christ, it is completely possible. So, Hebrews 12, page 1383. If you don't have your own Bible, there's some out there in the chairs. Otherwise, we're in Hebrews 12. 
uh, looking to Jesus, and immediately I'm reminded of one thing, because verse 2 talks about Jesus being the author and finisher of our faith. And so that immediately brought me to Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he, be, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God has done so much of the work in our life. Even to the fact that we, if you're a believer here today, he provided so much to draw you and to equip and to bring people into your life and the message into your life to know him. And that's all him. Now, we make the decision to trust Christ as our Savior, to trust his finished work on the cross, to trust the fact that after three days he was raised again. But he did it all. And we've got to remember that. Uh, it, it is so easy to forget all that God has done and all that he does. I mean, I am in awe on a daily basis on what God does in my life. For my family, for my wife, for us. And it doesn't mean we have a perfect life, trust me. <laughs> we have problems, plenty of them. But God is faithful to work through them, to equip us, to challenge us, to grow us in the, the direction we need to go. All right, so back to Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and it's looking back to chapter 11, all of these heroes of the faith, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, we breezed over it, and it's very easy to breeze over, but go back to the last part of verse 2 there. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How on earth does that work? Christ knowing he's going to be crucified, Christ knowing that he's going to have to go through all of that being despised and humiliated and for the joy that was set before him? And I think that, that's an example to us to where his focus was and where our focus needs to be. Because it's like if we focus on the circumstances, if we focus on the challenges and that becomes our life, ugh, yuck. But if we can look for the joy that's in these situations that, okay, God can use this and he will use this. That's the thing I love about God. He doesn't waste hurt. He doesn't waste pain. And so it's like as we get involved in some of these things, we have to say, okay, what does God want me to take away from this? Because there's, there's always something. Because he won't waste it. And so it's like, it's looking to, okay, the joy in this. Where is the joy in this circumstance? All right, the hot water tank blew up. Where's the joy? Well, we'll have a new one after this, won't we? <laughs> or we'll be bathing in cold water, one or the other. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things where we, you know, we look at these things in our life that are, you know, overwhelm us and be, seemingly seem tragic. But in reality, God can use them. And God can provide for us through these situations in our life and have them be something better, have them be something joy-filled. And I think that's, as believers, we're called to. Because guess what? When you start looking for joy in situations that don't have a lot of joy in them, people are going to say, what's different about you? It's like you have this circumstance in your life and this is going on and you seem okay. You know, what's wrong? <laughs> what's wrong with you? 
And, that, you know, and that's when we have opportunities to talk about Christ and talk about the joy that we have and to talk about all that God does in our life, and we have opportunities to witness. But if we get focused on the circumstances, focused on the non-joyful things, that's what the rest of the world does. And so how can we show the love of Christ? How can we show what's going on if we're not different? And we're called to that. We are totally called to that, just as Christ was. But even more so than that, we have the example of how to live. And the one thing I know we're all guilty of is we compare ourselves with other people for the good, for the bad, for whatever. And that's not who we are called to compare ourselves to. God wants us to take this book, and this is our, our mirror, right? This is what we're supposed to be looking at and, and determining, are we taking steps of faith? Are we walking in the ways God would have us to walk? Are we doing what we are called to do? It's not to look at our neighbors. It's not to look at the people. It's not to look at the, the people who are sitting beside you today because we honestly don't know what's going on in most of the people's lives around us. We don't. We know the face we see, we know the attitude we see, but we honestly don't know what's going on in people's lives. And I would venture to say there are people here today that seem okay, that are hurting, that are devastated, that are overwhelmed, but we don't even know. And, and I think we have an opportunity to speak into that as we become brothers and sisters of Christ that get involved in each other's lives. All right, rabbit trail I didn't really want to go down. But anyway... Back to Jesus, looking unto Jesus. We're to look to Jesus. All right, he endured the cross. He endured the shame. But then at the end of this, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So also rewarded by the Father. Which, that's the example God gives us. We're called to do these things, not easy things. They're hard things. I see my wife do hard things all the time. I see myself do hard things all the time. It's not impossible. It's just hard, but not impossible. And we've got to be willing to do what God calls us to. And, you know, there are times when, you know, I'm weak and my wife reminds me of the truth, which I never enjoy. <laughs> don't forget. But then I get to do it back and say, don't forget. <laughs> and we equally love that about each other. <laughs> we do, but not in the moment, let me tell you. Not in the moment, but we do appreciate that. Trust me, we have been saved from many a wrong car purchase because my wife <laughs> reins me in. That is my weakness, cars. I don't know why, but it just is. I always want to buy more than I, I have, but anyway. Don't we all? Don't we all just want a Lamborghini? But anyway. <laughs> just for fun on the weekends, right? Um, anyway, looking to Jesus, let's not get lost, right? It's a challenge. I mean, this morning, if nothing else dictated how much of a challenge it is to stay focused on Christ. Because circumstances are so loud. Something breaks, something goes wrong, something's not going to your liking or where you think it should go, or how it should go. And we can get so focused on these things and so distracted that Christ's saying, no, I've got so much more for you in this. And in fact, if, like, if you will just listen to me, if you will just look to me, I'll carry you through this, and it won't be as big of a deal. But we've got to look to him. 
We've got to be reminded to look to him. And, and that's in any circumstance. Because we all deal with overwhelming circumstances on a regular basis. And if we don't stay focused on who he is and what he can do. And see, that's, that's the important part here. He brings empowerment. There's power in the name of Jesus, absolutely. And we forget that on a regular basis. Absolutely, yeah. Amen. There is power there. And we have to, let's say it, come on. There's power in the name of Christ. Yeah, that was wonderful. Let's try it again. There's power in the name of Christ. Don't forget that. It is so easy to forget. Because circumstances will overwhelm us. Situations in our life will totally blow us over. But we've got to remember to look to him, to get our power from him, to get all we need. Now, just a couple of questions before we move on. First, are you focusing on the joy instead of the pain? Because the Father provides so much for us on a regular basis. Are you focusing on the goal instead of the process? And the cool part is, is when we obey, God blesses that. And thirdly, are you focusing on the reward instead of the sacrifice? Oh, I struggle with that the most. I struggle with that the most. Because it's like all I get focused on is like, oh, I'm giving this up. I've got to let go of this. I can't do that. I can't buy the Porsche. <laughs> no, it sounds stupid, but I mean, that, we get so focused on the sacrifice sometimes and we forget that, you know what? When we live a godly life, when we yield to what God has, that's not what I'm saying, you know, if you buy a Porsche and sin, but. If you can't afford one, it's like, but there's so much more that God will provide and reward you with. And it may not be here. And I think that's the struggle. It may not be here, but it will happen. Christ is the example. That's what he's shown us. That's what's gone on. All right. So look to Jesus. Let him be our example, our inspiration, our empowerment. Secondly, consider Jesus. And so really think about it. Really contemplate him. Um, I'm reminded of 1 John 3.1. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. And there's the rub. There's the rub. Because four needs every human has. Love, acceptance, worth, security. We all need that. Those are basic needs of human life. And this part here, the world knows us not because it knew him not, is where we struggle because that's acceptance. That's why this family, this environment becomes vitally, vitally important to us. Because this is the, the land of acceptance in here, right? We accept each other as we are, right? Come as you are, just as I am. That's where this place lives. And that's why this can become a sanctuary for some people. Because I don't know about you, but out in the world, and it's like, you know, you listen to media and you listen to opinions. My wife on Facebook, everybody has an opinion about something. <laughs> she, she just laughs about it. And it's true. And if it's biblical, it's usually criticized unbelievably. And that's just becoming more and more and more. And we have to remember, that's part of the gig. 
you're going to become a Christian. My life is, you know, Christ's life is in us. And just as the world know, knew him not, it's not going to want us either. And we can't let that hang us up. We are accepted in the beloved. Our acceptance has to come through Christ. All of that has to come from God. Because if we look, for pe look to people for it, we're not going to get it. We really aren't. Because they struggle to, to embrace who Christ is. Unless you're a believer, then it changes. Because I don't know about you, but I love this environment. Because there's love here, there's care here, there's concern here. People are praying for me here. I love this. And I love you as a body. We are caring, giving, going the extra mile all the time. And it's humbling. And I would never change it. But we have to consider on a daily basis in our own life where we are getting our needs met. And we cannot go to the world for that to happen. The world's not going to supply them. They really aren't. They're going to provide some things that it'll feel like it initially. <laughs> but it won't. See, that's the thing about the world. It's, it's always the lie. It's always the short term. It's always the fake. It feels real for a moment, and then all of a sudden, boom, the price kicks in. And that's why we've got to consider Christ, consider what he's done, consider the fact that, yes, you're going to have to do some hard things. Yes, you're going to have to walk in the face of opposition. Yes, you're going to have to go against the crowd. But it's okay. Because God has us in his hand. And no one can touch us. What security is there? Incredible. But it's, it's, the world wants us to say, oh, we can make or break you. Yeah. Walk right or we'll ruin your life. And that's a lie from the pit. God is over it all. Even though sometimes it seems chaotic, even though sometimes it seems nuts, he is over it all. And he works all things together for good for what? Those who love him, right? And we've got to stay focused there. We can't let the world, because they they're screaming, oh no, oh no, we, we, can, we can ruin it for you, we can wreck it for you. Eh, no, God's in control of that. You may think, you may be delusional and think that you're in control, but God is ultimately in control. He's our Heavenly Father. He's taking care of us. When we live like Jesus, we will experience some of the same responses from people that he experienced. So as we look in the scripture, as we look at what he, he dealt with, don't be surprised. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to not take it personally. Because that's the thing. It feels very personal, doesn't it? When someone is rejecting of you or your message or what you have to say, it feels very personal. But it's really Christ they're rejecting because we're embracing his life, right? The life that he has in us, that's what we're embracing. And so that's what people are usually rejecting is him and his way of life. And so we've got to be willing to, okay, Lord, they're rejecting you. And I'm trusting you for my love, my acceptance, my worth, my security. All right, verse 3. It says, For consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Have you ever felt like that? Do you ever have moments of that? I know I have. When I, when, especially when I see someone just walk away 
from godly living. It breaks my heart. Because they've lost faith. They've come to some conclusion that, wow, God can't work here. God can't fix this. Kills me. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Oh my goodness, what a litmus test that is. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. There's the litmus. None of us have done that. None of us had had to come to bloodshed because we are so not trying to sin in our life. But Christ did. And that's what was necessary. Unbelievable. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. It's funny, talking about sons. It's like I was immediately reminded. Um, Andrew went away to Bible school, and you know they're in dorms with groups of guys and stuff like this, and he came back from break one throughout the year, and he's like, you know, I, I figured it out. You guys spanked me too much. <laughs> it's like... Dude, you experienced a lot of grace, trust me. <laughs> oh, no, no, we compared, we compared. I'm like, well, that speaks to you, not to them. So it's like, <laughs> let's get the, the record straight here. But it's like, it's, it's true. I mean, you look at both sides of it, right? And as parents, you know, those of you who are parents, you know you only want the best, and you're only doing what's good. And, you know, it's... My fear right now for my granddaughter is, because sometimes she just doesn't hesitate for much. And so she, when she runs, she runs full tilt. And if you call her name, she doesn't really stop. And I, no, seriously, I, my fear is, is that's going to happen by a road and she's going to end up hit. And it's like, you know, my, my admonition to my kids are, teach her to listen to you, to stop. At least get her to stop when she's running like that. And it's like, you know, for the child, they think, you're just trying to pin me in. You're just trying to control me. No, I'm trying to make you survive the day is all I'm trying to do. But how often do we deal with God that way? Oh, this is limiting. Oh, this just, God just wants my life to be miserable. God just, it's like, why does God have to make it so hard? Because he sees the bigger picture. He knows what's going on. He knows what's good for us. And that's where we struggle. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But he knows what's good for us. Best for us. Let me, let me up it. Not just good. He knows what's best for us. And when we yield to that, we have a better life. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way on the front end. Because it's like, oh, i got to sacrifice. No, you don't. You get to have the freedom to live this way by your choice. Now, interesting here, this word chastening, if you actually look it up, chasten or chastening in these verses is really, it speaks to instruction more so than punishment. And oftentimes we read this as, you know, when he punishes us, punishes us, punishes us, punishes us, punishes us, punishes us. And that's really not what's going on here. He's trying to instruct, trying to inform. Because he wants us to yield. 
because he knows it'll only be for our benefit. And the thing is, is, you know, why do we oftentimes push back? What is it? What is it in your life that makes you push back against God's truth? Push back against what he wants you to do? Sons and daughters, what was it? Did you just develop that kind of rebelliousness in life? You know, I, I'm bent that way, I'll be honest. Go left, I'm going right. It's weird, it's in us. We do it. We don't want to be told what to do. But we need to yield to God. We need to yield to the Father. Because he knows what's best. He knows what needs to happen. Jesus is the one despised and endured hostility. Jesus is the one who shed his blood to pay for sin. Jesus enabled us to become sons or children of God. The Father doesn't want us to become weary and discouraged in our soul, but he does want us to endure as Jesus did in walking in his truth and instruction. That's what he's asking. Will you do it? Can you do it? The answer is yes, you can. Will? That's another story. Because that's, to me, that's the incredible part of who God is. He never holds a gun to our head. He never says, you're going to do this. He wants us to choose because he wants us to understand the relationship here. Because it's like, yes, we're talking Jesus, 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 and not God the Father, God the Father, but they're one and the same, and this is what he had to do for us. He had to leave heaven. He had to come down. He had to do this to provide salvation for us because he knew there was no other way. He knew it. And so the Father, his love is immeasurable in what he wants. And he's done everything there is to provide. And all he's asking is for us to understand that and choose to walk in his ways. I don't think that's a lot to ask. But the world challenges us on what we need and what we buy and what we do and what, how we live. And God's asking us, don't yield to that. Yield to me. Just like fathers. They want the best for their family. They want the best for their kids. Some of the things they do ask, which we'll learn about in a minute, are, you know, they're selfish. But God really wants the best. All right, a few questions before we move on. Do you consider what Christ endured to provide spiritual life for you? Is that a regular thought process for us? Because when you think in those terms, you are going to yield to what God wants for you a little bit more. Do you consider what Christ had to sacrifice to provide freedom from sin for you? I mean, he's just asking us to yield to truth, yield to his will. He's not asking us to sacrifice great big things in our life or be crucified. Because he's done that for us. Do you consider what Christ did to enable you to experience God's love as a son or a child of God in your life? And the last thing I'll ask before we move on, but it's, I don't think it's up there. Have you had to resist to bloodshed, striving against sin? Probably not. But Jesus did. And he wants us to understand 
This provides freedom for us. Freedom to choose, freedom to live, freedom to do. And God's asking us to yield to or be faithful to him in knowing that what he has for us is best. And it can change the world. I mean, we look at chapter 11 and we looked at, it was what? One person, one person, one person, who, who by faith, who by faith, who by faith, who by faith. And they changed the culture around them. They changed people's thinking. They changed what went down. And I think the world wants us to say one person can't do anything. It's a lie. One person in Christ can change the world. You can change your family. You can change your neighborhood. You can change the work environment. You can change, who knows, your city, your state, your region, your nation. But we've got to live and do it the way God asks us to do it because he wants to do it through us. All right, so look to Jesus, consider Jesus. Thirdly, getting close, endure. And doesn't that just sound like weighty? Endure. <laughs> But it's really, it's abiding. It's in that, you know, the, the picture that we get is from John 15, 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And I think God calls us to this, this endurance. And it's really, it's holding on to Christ with all we've got. And allowing him to pour into our life. Him to feed us. Him to encourage us. Him to love us. Him to accept us. Him to be our value. Him to be our security. Hold on tight. Endure. <laughs> Abide in me. Verse 9. It says, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed, indeed for a season or a few days chastened us as seems best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The end sounds great, right? Yielding fruit, peace, righteousness, bring it on, right? That's what we want. But the precursor to that is sometimes instruction seems hard. Sometimes instruction seems like it's overwhelming. But the key becomes the last part, or the middle part, really, of verse 10. Well, we'll just say verse 10 and all. For, for they, or our earthly fathers, for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them. But he, God, for our profit. See, we have to realize God, and sometimes we think God is against us, and that's just not true. God is always for us. To the point where he came to provide salvation, to provide everything we need to be free from sin. He is for us on that kind of a level. For our profit. And it's hard because some of the things we look at that he asks us to do, we think will take away from us, will rob us of something, will be sacrificial in some way. But that's where faith has to come in, that he's doing this for our profit. He's doing this for our benefit. He's doing this because he knows it will produce the best outcome in our life. And we've got to trust. We have got to trust God that much to live that way.
right? Belief determines behavior. If you believe that you should do whatever because God's word says it clearly and you do it, it's going to profit you. Not that that's why you do it, but you trust that you can. A few things. One, endure the instruction that is for your profit. Two, revere the instruction that will enable you to partake of God's holiness. Three, reap the benefits of instruction, peace and righteousness. So ask yourself, are you at peace on a regular basis? Are you in a righteous place in your life? I'm not talking self-righteousness where you're like, I'm better than everybody. <laughs> but where you feel like, wow, you know, God is growing me and God is taking me to these places where he and I are on the same page and I understand him and he understands me and boy, we are doing something in this world. Because that's what's available to us as we endure or abide in him. Because I don't know about you, but there are days where I feel like I am out here alone. It's just me making it work. There are days that I feel that way because it just feels that way. And that's where we've got to remind ourselves, no, God is here. He is with me. He is in control. He will give me the strength I need. I'll tell you, that is something I ask for on a constant basis. Lord, give me the strength just to deal with this, to do this, to, you know, this morning was funny, for whatever reason, I mean, technology is evil. It just is. It was like, there were things that weren't working, and I'm like, Lord, just make it work once, just this once. And it just, it's, uh, it's like you're at the mercy of a little piece of metal and buttons. It's crazy. But it was like, it was funny, because I was, a little sidetrack. Yeah, I shouldn't, but I will. It's just like, I always make a couple of tweaks to my message on Saturday night for whatever reason. God always like inspires me to say something or do something. And so it's like, I usually come here and print them out. I've got to stop doing that because for some reason, my computer didn't want to even open my notes. And I'm like, this is going to be fun. Everything from memory. Oh my goodness. I don't operate that way at all. Anyway, my plight this morning, you don't care. <laughs> and that's fine because it's just it's dumb. So not a problem. One of the dangers men tend to yield to is independence, sometimes called isolation. And if nothing, if there's nothing we learn from Wild Kingdom, right, is the lion separates one of them from the herd to take him out. And that's true in life, right? Be sober, be vigilant because... The enemy, like a roaring lion, seeks whom he may devour. It's real. And then, if we become independent, if we become isolated, we become at risk. We, we can't do that. A few questions, and then two challenges, and we're done. Are you abiding in Christ despite the challenge? Let that soak in. Are you abiding in Christ despite the pain? Because sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it feels hard. Are you abiding in Christ and reaping the peaceful fruit of righteousness? 
See, we've got to be looking for that because sometimes it's there and we don't see it. So we've got to look for it. You go, wow, okay, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have this. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here. God works it out. All right, dads. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says this, Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And this is what we're called to as earthly fathers. We need dads that are teaching their families to walk in Jesus' footsteps, even when it gets hard. We need dads that reflect their Heavenly Father at home, in their neighborhood, at church, at work, and everywhere in between. We need it. It's, it's vanishing. We need it. We need dads that will look to Jesus for their strength and be strong in him. We need dads that will consider the path Jesus took to empower them to live as sons of God, free from the bondage of sin. He's calling us to this. We need dads that will endure or abide in Christ in the face of this world's ever-increasing message that real men don't need help, real men go it alone, real men are self-made. All lies from the pit. God is calling us up, men, especially fathers. He needs men that are going to say, follow me as I follow Christ. So your families can see it, so your neighbors can see it, your coworkers can see it. But not only that, so you can see it. Because I get it. I get it as a dad. It, sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you just don't want to have to make a decision. But we must. God is calling us. Lastly, to children of God at large, Jesus needs to be our example to compare and to follow. No one else. Don't look to anyone else but him. Jesus' example should empower us to overcome any situation we encounter. The Father's training will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness, which is a great reward. And it all comes from looking to Jesus, considering Jesus, and enduring by abiding in Jesus. Sounds simple. Not easy every day. But, and here's the cool part about who God is. He will reward you just for trusting him. I'm humbled by that on a regular basis. God is so faithful. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, Lord, challenged. And Lord, these things, they sound so simple in some ways. But Lord, to live out, it is a challenge. But there's a but there. You will provide the strength we need. You will provide and empower what we need in our lives to accomplish it. And Lord, sometimes that's where we fail. We don't invite you into the equation and allow you to carry us through some of the circumstances we live in on a regular basis or from time to time. Lord, I pray that as we leave today, we will be mindful uh, that our focus will be more on you than on the world and what it provides. That we will consider what Christ did for us, Lord, huge, huge sacrifice to enable freedom from sin for us. And Lord, you don't ask a lot from us, really, but to walk in your truth 
And Lord, when we abide in you, when we endure through the the challenges of life and allow Christ to provide everything we need, we are so much better off. Lord, we ask that you will draw near to us as we draw near to you and equip us in a way that will change the world around us as we know it, whatever that may look like. We thank you. We love you. We we ask, Lord, for your blessing throughout the rest of today. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.